This Israel report is brought to you by the Blue Agency. Your Israel property is in good hands. Owning properties in Israel can be a great investment, but challenging to manage if you are based abroad. The Blue Agency will manage every aspect of your property, finding and vetting tenants, maintaining your property and getting it rental ready, negotiating contracts and collecting rentals, reporting back to you regularly. The Blue Agency has built a reputation for trust and confidentiality over 20 years. The Blue Agency, your Israel property is in good hands. Contact us at www.thebueagency.com. The Israel Report for the latest news and insights with Anthony Reich. Anthony Reich, Bokertov, good morning. How are you? Bokertov, unfortunately, the names of the four soldiers uh, were released this morning who were killed in Gaza during the course of yesterday. And lots of press around uh, Idan Amedi, who mm. was an actor from the show Fowler, who is a reporter to have been quite seriously injured. Uh, during his service in Gaza, we're told his condition is stable, he's in a hospital in Israel. Um, and some controversy around the information that's been released about him because we're not quite sure whether his family really wanted this information mm. to be released. Mm. But of course, he's a very public figure and people are interested to hear about him. Um, for those people who think that the economy in Gaza is dead, you should think again because a price list has been published on social networks by Gazans for the cost of purchasing and erecting a family tent for displaced persons who move from the north of Gaza to the south. south, Let's start start with a Qatari ready-made tent, bearing in mind that these are tents that have been donated by Ah, Qatar, free of charge. but in order for you to get your hands on one, the cost is apparently 2,000 shekels. For a ready-made tent from the United Arab Emirates, once again donated free of charge to the Gazan authorities, the cost is 2,800 shekels. Um, I don't know why the United mm. Arab Emirates tents are more expensive. And for those people who can't afford to purchase a Qatari tent or a UAE tent, you have to do it yourself. And that means buying wooden planks and some nylon covering uh, in order to construct your tent. We understand that wooden planks go for 30 shekels each, and apparently an average tent needs about 20 of them, cost 600, uh, sorry, 6,000 shekels. Um, And the nylon covering, sorry, not 6,000, 600 shekels, 600 shekels. And then the nylon covering the, the tent costs about 40 shekels per square meter. You need about 24 square meters, cost of 960 shekels. So the total material cost before you begin to assemble the tent is 1,560 shekels. Just so that people know where all of this humanitarian aid that's being donated free of charge by countries in the region is going to. That's the economy at the moment in the Gaza Strip. Um, One of the other things I also wanted to mention before we get into the news of the day um, surrounds the term genocide, because as we know, this is what's going to be heard in the International Court of Justice in The Hague on Thursday and Friday, the charge that Israel is committing genocide. And so in order to be able to answer that charge, we first need to know what we're being accused of, what is genocide. And interestingly, 
1948, the United Nations Convention, uh, Genocide Convention did actually define what genocide is. And genocide is defined as any of five acts which have been committed, not only committed, but with the intention to destroy in whole or in part a national, ethnical, racial or religious group. So it's not only about carrying out the act, but it's about having the intention to destroy in whole or in part a certain group. And the five acts that have been mentioned in this definition include killing members of the group, causing them serious bodily or mental harm, imposing living conditions intended to destroy the group, preventing births, and forcibly transferring children out of the group. And it goes on to say that victims are targeted because of their real or perceived membership of a group and not randomly. So just for listeners to understand, that is the precise definition of genocide, which Israel is being accused of in the aftermath of the October the 7th massacre. The, the claim is that what's happening in Gaza now involves an intention to either destroy in whole or in part a national, ethnical, racial or religious group. You can all make your decisions about whether you think what's happening fits that definition or not. I guess we will hear more on Thursday and Friday mm, mm. during the hearings of the International Court of Justice. Yeah, what, what concerns me is that there was a News 24 article today that basically shows how easy it is to for the ICJ just to say that you know there needs to be a temporary ceasefire while they consider this because it is possible basically that that some of these rights are being infringed pending sort of investigation. So what concerns me is that could be considered in inverted commas a win by South Africa even though it, it, it really just isn't one. It's just uh, almost a meaningless, uh, a meaning, meaningless ruling. There, there, there is certainly some concern about an injunction being uh, uh, upheld, um, as you say, even temporarily. And it's not clear to me to what extent that actually imp can be imposed upon the IDF. In other words, to what extent Israel would be obliged to adhere to an injunction ruling that might be handed down by the International Court of Justice. And the good news is that we've uh, assembled a very, very um, impressive team, um, not only the nomination of former Supreme Court Justice Aaron Barak to actually sit on the panel of judges, because interestingly, we are entitled to appoint a judge to sit alongside the other judges on the panel an Israeli judge uh, can be appointed. And I believe that South Africa is entitled to do the same being the other party to the case, to appoint a judge to sit on the panel, um, but also indeed um, the, the person who's been appointed to lead the legal team, which is Professor Malcolm Shaw, who is a very, very well-known British lawyer, a very great supporter of Israel, has done a lot of work at the International Court of Justice in the past, and he has been enlisted. Uh, by the way, interestingly, also earned his master's degree in law at the Hebrew University of Jerusalem and has taught courses on human rights um, uh, at the Hebrew U um, and he has extensive experience at the International Court of Justice and we are very much hoping that Professor Shaw 
will bring the weight and the experience that is needed uh, knows exactly what the arguments that are that need to be presented at the ICJ in order to show Israel in, in the best possible light um, and the most accurate, not only looking good without, um, without justification, but showing things accurately as they are, because I think that if things are accurately portrayed, then um, Israel can show itself to be not guilty in any possible way of the genocide claim of the genocide accusation that has been leveled. Mm, mm. It's uh, certainly going to be a very, very difficult and uh, challenging week in this regard. All right, uh, let's talk about some of the topics. Does the death of a senior Hezbollah general change uh, change anything uh, in terms of the war in the northern border on the northern border? Um, so this is a very interesting uh, development that took place yesterday with the death of Wissam Tawil, who is a very, very high-ranking mem- member of Hezbollah's Radwan force, which is an elite Hezbollah force in southern Lebanon. He was very closely associated with Qasem Soleimani, who was the commander of the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps. Uh, which he was the one who was killed four years ago by the Americans uh, in Iran. Um, and uh, very much associated with the senior leadership in Hezbollah. Um, Israel didn't respond to accusations of having been involved in his death yesterday, although finally um, there was a formal uh, acknowledgement by uh, Foreign Minister Yisrael Katz, who um, had an interview um, with um, a, a TV network last night, and he did acknowledge that uh, Israel was involved in the killing of Wissam Tawil. Wissam Tawil's history with Israel goes back a long way, more than 20 years. He's been involved in some of the most heinous crimes, uh, deaths of Israelis, Israeli soldiers, um, uh, the, the, the kidnapping of uh, the two Israeli soldiers who, who were either killed um, during the time of their kidnapping or uh, were subsequently killed and then um, were, uh, they were, I'm talking about Woody Goldwasser and Eldad Regev, whose uh, bodies were returned to Israel in 2006. Tawil was behind their mm. killing and their mm. abduction. He was also behind uh, the attack in Megiddo that took place um, last year, approximately a year ago, where there was a massive infiltration. <clears throat> he was also involved in an ambush on Mount Dov when uh, a number of uh, combat engineers were killed back in the year 2000. And so um, he has a notorious and extensive history of having been involved in operations against uh, IDF soldiers against Israel over the years. And nobody in Israel is mourning the death uh, of Tawil. Um, But it certainly is a little escalation. And it's not yet clear where the tipping point for Hezbollah really is or will be. Because we saw also with the death of um, Aruri in the Beirut neighborhood, um, which uh, Hezbollah is very involved with, that they were forced to respond with some sort of a barrage that they uh, that they sent over the weekend. Um, but they still are sending a message that they don't want to get into a war with Israel. They are simply responding to particular events rather than opening up a general front. And we certainly saw some of those responses even yesterday with uh, anti-tank missiles being fired into Israeli towns along the northern border. And so um, there is certainly what I would call at the moment 
just a particular response to the events. And we certainly expect at least a very significant response to the to the death of Wissam al-Tawil. Um, but the question is whether that might not open up a more mm, general mm. war and a more general front. And even though we're seeing even up to 60 missiles uh, being fired towards Israel in a day by Hezbollah, that's still being considered right now to be a response to a particular event rather than opening up a general state of war. So the message from Hezbollah that we're getting right now is we will certainly respond to this and the response will be severe and you can expect whatever you can expect in response to this event but we don't intend to perpetuate and to continue that and to create an open front what the tipping point for creating a general war front is is unclear to me but i'm guessing that we're not that far away from it right now especially with the death of a very very senior hezbollah figure like tawil um, i'm guessing that we're not that far away and I don't know what we need to do to push it. And, mm, and there mm. is also an interesting question as to whether the IDF is not potentially trying to tip it over, because that will then give the opportunity that's, that's with the residents of the North evacuated mm. and with the IDF reserves all deployed and ready and everything set up, whether the IDF doesn't want to open a general front in the north right now to allow some sort of a clean-up operation in southern Lebanon to the effect that, that this can be achieved, and whether the IDF is not just pushing, pushing, pushing a little more each time to test whether that might tip things over. I'm just speculating, and I can't say for sure, um, but there is certainly a sign for me that they might just be really testing the very, very extreme edges of these boundaries to see what might tip it over. That is fascinating. Uh, I'd love your thoughts on that. 34519 or 0618951019. Jonathan wants to know, would the general's death be considered general side? <laughs> ay, 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 you guys. Just behave. Just behave. Right, the IDF yesterday uncovered the largest weapons production facility found in the war so far. Uh, what can be revealed about this? Well, um, you know, what, I suppose what can't be revealed, it's just absolutely astonishing to see the infrastructure that has been developed in Gaza over um, the, the 15 odd years, more than 15, 18 years, um, since Israel turned the Gaza Strip over uh, to what was in the Palestinian Authority and subsequently taken over by Hamas. What uh, immense investment and development has gone on in this area while allowing the citizens of Gaza to be left destitute and in conflict and without um, the basic necessities in life. And this weapons production facility is just one example. It was located deep under the Burej uh, neighborhood in central Gaza in a tunnel, uh, 30 meters down. And the, what the IDF soldiers found there was a facility used for the manufacturing of long-range rockets, of explosives, of accuracy enhancers for mortar shells, of light weapons, and even of drones that were being manufactured in this tunnel 30 meters under the Buraj neighborhood. And it was soldiers of the Golani Brigade in the most part um, and the 188th Brigade that uncovered these tunnel shafts that reached down 30 meters and finally revealed this massive, massive um, um, weapons production facility. Um, so 
it's good, of course, that the IDF have managed to uncover mm, this. Mm. It's not the end of the story. Yesterday, once again, we saw a barrage of rockets aimed towards central Israel. Rishon LeZion was the uh, neighborhood that, that got the sirens yesterday. So there is still a, a rocket launching capability, even though the number of rockets that are being launched towards Israel are reduced substantially, substantially. And we feel that reduction each day. But then once in a while, we get an event like yesterday where Rishon LeZion were back in their bomb shelter. So there is still a lot of work to be done, not only to uncover the weapons production facilities, but indeed the weapons launching facilities, which still seem to be numerous and, and significant and extensive. And a lot of work is still needed to be done in order to bring those down. That is uh, where we leave it. Anthony Rock, thank you. As always, it is 8.01. I'm Howard Feldman. We can catch Anthony Rock tomorrow morning at 7.45. That Israel Report was brought to you by the Blue Agency. Your Israel property is in good hands. Hi, it's Barry Cohen from the Blue Agency. Israel is currently facing one of its biggest challenges ever. All of Klal Israel is praying for the safety of our soldiers and the return of the hostages. We hope and pray that our soldiers and security forces will prevail and that they will all return home speedily and triumphant. We hold the hands of our clients and friends who have children serving in Sahal, who are protecting Israel and Jews around the world. May Hashem protect us all.